had to put on the um, the uniform for the show. I was I was oh. dressed way too fancy. Can't see. I put on a swimsuit. <laughs> yeah, for our audio speedo. listeners, it's uh, just Ben in a speedo. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us at Arts Crafts Pod to see the clip. <laughs> and more. And more. <laughs> Happy October, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Arts and Crafts. Uh, this is pretty much a fully remote episode with all no one being in studio except for Ben, uh, as Reed is excitingly in Kansas City. If you know from our previous episodes that he's at the Kansas City Art Institute, I'm up, uh, up north in uh, Minnesota, and Ben is holding down the fort in Benson. Uh, I'm excited. What time is We're... it where you guys are? <laughs> the time zone difference. <laughs> John, were you, were you going to say, I'm upstairs in Minnesota? I was going to say, I'm upstairs in Minnesota. <laughs> I'm oh, up the stairs boy. in Minnesota. Up the states, I guess you could say. Up the states. It makes sense. <laughs> but for this October episode, <laughs> as we all love a good Oktoberfest or fest beer, we all have uh, a separate beer, since we're all in different locations and we weren't able to really share beers between the two of us or three of us, but um, it just means more beer to review and more beer for you to look out for when you uh, when you go to finally pick up your Oktoberfest beers. For me, this is probably one of my favorite times of the year. I really love this kind of beer. I think it's, uh, it's refreshing. It's just perfect amount of maltiness, and also I just love that it just keeps you warm when it starts to get cold outside. It's great, so I'm really excited to dig into these. Um, I'm going to start because I'm excited and I want to get the ball rolling. Mine is the Late to the Party Fest Beer from Black Stack Brewery. This is brewed in Ooh. North St. Paul. Uh, I'll give a little description that they put on the can. More like the Oktoberfest, like the word's awkward, but Oktoberfest. We actually quite enjoy drinking these types of beers in the Good fall, one. so we figured we'd release this one a, f- uh, a few weeks into October. So like two to four months after most folks. We brewed this beer with uh, Weinerman malt and spunded, spunded malt for natural carbonation as a homage to the endlessly gulpable beers you'll find at tents in Munich during Oktoberfest festivities. Where is everyone going? We just got here. I've never had this before. I've never actually been to Blackstack. I just saw it at my local beer place and uh, had to pick it up. So, But I have okay, the... The fest beer from KC Beer Co. The, the bottle doesn't say much other than it's a Vienna style lager and not a traditional Marzen. So that's going to be interesting. That's crazy. You're changing it up so much. <laughs> I can't I say know, I've right? had anything from KC Beer Company unless we've had it on the show. Nothing? I don't think I have. I'm trying to think if really? we've had on the show or something, but with all the times I've been to Kansas City and my family being down there, you'd think I'd have something. But maybe my mm. great brother-in-law, I tasted one of his or whatever he was having, but I don't think I've ever actually like bought a six-pack specifically from them. I was going to read the untapped description. Oh, yeah, go for it. You... Fest beer is a, a malty Vienna-style lager brewed with 100% imported Vienna and Pilsner malts which give this beer its reddish gold color and biscuit, caramel, and honey malt flavors. Bavarian grown, some kind of hops that uh, I'm not even going to try and pronounce, (laughs) provide moderate bitterness to balance the rich malt, while its crisp, clean finish comes from weeks of cold lagering with our pure lager yeast from Andex, a Bavarian monastery brewery. Fun fact, Fest Beer is the official beer of our KC Oktoberfest, Kansas City's largest traditional Oktoberfest celebration. Oh, that's cool. So in a way, you got the most Oktoberfest beer of us all. At least for... Well, yeah. (laughs) Because I don't think Ben has the Oktoberfest. Don't, don't. You're in the surprise. Reed, you didn't want to try to pronounce Hallerta Mittelfru? <laughs> Correct. Fru? Correct. Yep. We get it, Ben. You have German origins, okay? 
But uh, it does look like this beer uh, adheres to the Reinheitsgebot uh, law. Was was that uh, uh, was that uh, Spotted Cow that had that law? Yeah, it's just the four ingredients. Yeah, the only ingredients. The in the beer. <laughs> Malt, hops, water, and yeast. <laughs> Literally the things so, you, you specifically know, need for beer. Right. <laughs> okay. Oh no. What? Reed has had. Reed has had the beer I'm about to have. Oh man! It doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess let's just get this over with then, because Ben doesn't have the... an Oktoberfest. So you made okay, me a liar. What is it, though? You made me a liar. Just wait. So I picked out my beer when Reed said, "Let's do pumpkin beers." Oh, and then by the time okay. He was like. I can't. I can't find pumpkin beer. I was like, well, I'm not going back to the store five feet away. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a, a pumpkin ale, believe it or not, um, from Whole Hog. I knew it. Ooh, I knew it. Oh, I love pumpkin ales. I know. You, I can tell you were about to say that. Uh, out of uh, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Hey, that's where my parents met. Fun yeah. fact. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Sorry. Really? <laughs> Surprise! They're on the show. They're here with me today, celebrating. Um, so, full of pumpkin beers, available to choose at my local store, beer store, and uh, at all of them. Or they were—they sounded too strange. Mm. This one sounds really, really good. Um, if I had to describe what I'm guessing it's going to taste like, I would say handcrafted using real pumpkin and savory pumpkin pie spices. With hints of all natural cinnamon and nutmeg, per pearl. <laughs> I'm guessing I would say the word, word pearl hops balance with, with the rich Munich roasted and caramel malts for the full body taste and exceptional flavor is probably what I'm going to say after I try this. Oh, okay, that's impressive. Okay. You thought of that right off the right off the dome and not off of Untapped.com. Right, and you haven't even tried it. yet. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. You. You're really good at wow. just I'm guessing. just guessing. Yeah. I, I know my palate very well. It says like brewed with pumpkin and spices. I like how you couldn't think of the word pearl for a moment. Well, I mean, I can't be perfect and just come off the cuff here, you know. Right, but but like you started to say it, and it was just like it wasn't coming out. It's on the tip of Sometimes the Sometimes you can't. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh! All right, this, this is, is by the way, this is a seven percent. Seven percent. Ooh, that's kind of similar to the. Uh, what did we have the? Right. That pumpkin ale last year doesn't matter. I want to break this open. The illusion. Yeah, illusion. Yeah. Well, mine is. is a... Okay. Well, this this fest beer from Casey Beer Co. It's 5.5% alcohol. Mine's 25 six. IBUs. Yeah. I might have to have a few of them. Oh. Cheers. Mine smells so good. Hold on. I need to spill first, as is tradition. <laughs> yeah, I got to oh. fill out that bingo, the free space on the bingo card. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of Elysian, at, at the... Um, yesterday there was an Elysian pumpkin pack for sale mm-hmm. and I wanted to mention it because it looks wild um, I deleted the photo of it that I took <laughs> so we'll turn to Google who has it right away here we go three bottles oh it doesn't have the full listing on here hold on Ben's like the opposite of like a data hoarder. Really? <laughs> takes a picture. It's like when Aaron throws away a disposable camera. <laughs> ben just takes a picture on his phone. Yeah. Oh, that was fun and then deletes it. <laughs> right away. I remember taking that. I remember taking nice that picture. You can see them after you take them. <laughs> yeah. 
Man, I wish I could show people this. Fun, thing. it'd be nice to be able to see them later. Um, so first in this pack is the Night Owl Pumpkin Ale, which we had last year. The Imperial, believe it or not, is just a double-strength version of the original Pumpkin Ale. Okay. And they claim it to be the world's first Imperial Pumpkin Ale. Hmm. That's cool. The third one is the Punkchino Coffee Pumpkin Ale. That sounds horrible. Exactly what it sounds like. And the fourth one is the Dark of the Moon Pumpkin Stout. Now, come late October, I'm going to really want a pumpkin stout. Yeah, that 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 could be good. Super cool. Where did you see these? Um, It's not. This was at our hopefully soon to be sponsor, Wine, Beer, and Spirits here in Omaha. Uh, Okay. But this was all in one variety pack. Yes, it comes with three bottles of each. I'm probably going to end up getting it just because I want to try that stout. Mm-hmm. I'm going to drink so much pumpkin beer this season. I'm at my first okay, sip of fest beer, these? and I'm thinking the same thing. I'm thinking, I can't wait to buy the next Oktoberfest. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try Indeed's. <clears throat> Shout out Indeed. I saw that there, but I didn't want to do another Indeed beer on the podcast, so I guess I'm a new one. Oh. Um, I'm uh, mm-hmm. I'm not overly out. I'm not overly excited about this one. No, like it's not it's oh, not no. bad. It's not a bad beer, but it's just like fine. It's a Vienna Lager. Yeah, and it's not a pumpkin beer like I was hoping to have. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Hi, Binky. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, for those so, of you who. Who don't, who don't know, well, I guess, Reed, would you like to, since it's your beer, would you like to fill us in on what, what you're noticing is a difference between a Marzen and a Vienna lager? Um, you don't need to tell us about like the brewing. Right. It might be just like a little lighter than a Marzen, but I don't know. Looking, looking at it, it's pretty amber in color, but like it's. It just mm-hmm. tastes a little. It's it's not quite as. It's not like a pretzel, you know. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it does. <laughs> uh, John, what's your, hear, what's your uh... John? What's your beer taste like? It's a lot lighter than I was pretzel? expecting. It tastes like okay, a so it tastes maybe... like a low fat pretzel. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's not very malty. There's not a lot of um, not a lot of that uh, biscuit to it. I would say it's definitely one of the light. Like it's it's a six percent, but it's zero IBU, so it just feels a little bit lighter. Um, yeah, but very crushable. I mean, I feel like I could have a lot of these, mm-hmm. which is dangerous at six percent. Um, it's not bad. I, I mean, I'm giving it a three and a half. It's not like the best fest beer okay. type I've had, but it's it does the job. I think it's a good first one, especially for when we're having them in September um, when we're recording this. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, come like yeah. early October, middle October, I'm going to want something a little more malty. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's this one. This funny. one... It's funny. How... <laughs> Sorry. I was just going to say it's funny how. John loves Oktoberfest beers so much that it's like, if it's not perfect, I'm disappointed. <laughs> I just love them so yeah. much. They make me so happy, man. They're so good. And that Sam Adams Oktoberfest, it's so lame, but that's like one of like my top two or three. <laughs> like, that's fine. It's that one and then like Brickway. The Brickway Oktoberfest, it really, ooh. Oh my God. Gets me going, man. I'm so excited to drink a, a Brickway Oktoberfest. Those are those are by far my favorite. That that malty base they, they without it being it. too sweet. You nail know, it's so yeah. perfectly balanced. I will drink. I I was think I was telling Reed the other day. Like I'm at a point where I'm not likely to try an Oktoberfest from many places because it's like it's going to be an Oktoberfest. If I am at a tap room during the season, I'll probably try that that establishment's yeah. Oktoberfest. But the only one I'll yeah. go out and buy for sure is Brickway. Yeah, mm. I yeah I totally understand. Um, Reed, I have 
have a description of the difference between Vienna and Marzen. And okay. it comes straight from KC Beer, KC Beer Co. Oddly enough. It says, while Vienna is a style, quote-unquote, of amber-colored lager beer, Marzen is technically not a style, but rather a brewing method by which the beer is mm. brewed in March. ABV than a normal version of the beer in order to preserve it while being stored during the summer. So that's like the traditional difference. Yeah, this is just... This is so much sweeter than uh, like a traditional uh, Oktoberfest. What was that one? There's a Vienna lager I really, really like. Is it Pint 9, maybe? Is Pint 9 the one? The Vienna lager that was Union Omaha branded? Yeah, Pint 9's partner with Union Omaha. Yes. Or not partner, but they do all their. Might be partnered. Well, they, they are now. Okay. They picked the same beer as that uh, they used. So, like, I don't know if you guys remember that, uh, like, picking the beer for the Union Omaha team mm-hmm. that I took mm-hmm. part in. But they already had okay. like the the part the Parliament beer, which was the Vienna oh, Lager. Right. So right. they picked they picked the same beer. But still rebranded it. <laughs> they said, "They said, screw it. Oh. We got a bunch of it already. We'll just, <laughs> just throw a new label on it." Right. <laughs> well, like, I mean, like, so, like the the people that tasted and voted, we yeah picked the Vienna Lager. So. We, I love that. I, I legitimately love the ownership you're taking of this because. Well, I don't think I voted for that you're one. Not... I think I. I think I voted for the rice, the rice, uh, Mexican rice lager. I've not recorded this Vienna lager on my untapped, but I'm pretty sure it was the, the Pint 9 Vienna lager, which tasted so, so sweet before a playoff game at the Pint 9 uh, mm-hmm. um, tailgate party before going to Warner Park. So maybe just has some good nostalgia in there. I do want to, uh, I think I gave a shout out last year to this. Actually, I know I did, but I'm once again going to give a shout out to our local Lucky Bucket Brewing. Their big pumpkin pumpkin beer uh, is still the best one I've ever had. I should have, I might still go see if they have it this year. Um, I haven't been to Lucky Bucket in like two years, but Mm. it's one of my, one of my all time favorites. That being said, this pumpkin ale from Whole Hog may have just won. Wow. This is incredible. Is it really? It's got a good color to it. It has a really good color to it. The thing that uh, I think we probably talked about this last year, but it's like, does a pumpkin beer taste like pumpkin or does it taste like pumpkin pie? Yeah. Or, you know, like, mm-hmm. are, are they to this? Iced or like the pumpkin. So this one leans into the spices. Okay. And I think that's really what I'm right. going for. I recently had, uh, I had the, the Sam Adams. Jacko Lantern. Jacko. Jacko. I had that the other day and that one's really, really good. But that one's like, this is a pumpkin beer. Yeah. And whereas this one tastes more like, uh, pumpkin pie did we all just get our b-reel at the same time i think that's how it works i (laughs) I think that's i have i have my phone on do not disturb (laughs) so if you get a chance ben you should go to vis major or vis vis major and uh try the uh wayfair jack pumpkin beer because i think that one might be the best really that sounds so good where's that at vis major (laughs) yeah it's in Omaha. Okay. On like thirty something in center. Okay. I already love that brewery, and I really, really want to find some good local pumpkin beers. But I, well, I guess I feel like pumpkin beers is like you kind of have to go to each spot and be like, "Do you have a pumpkin beer?" <laughs> yeah. Right. I guess I. Why would we have so, one of those? <laughs> so Beast Major has it's. However, 
it's not uh, it's not light. It's a ten point five percent where it was last year. But I gave it a four and a half. Wow. And the the whole hog that you're drinking now that I had three years ago, I gave a four point two five. It's tight competition right there. And and this this uh, fest beer I'm drinking right now got a two point seven five. Just okay, huh? It is just okay, yeah. I ranked a beer pretty low the other day. Felt bad. (laughs) Felt bad. I totally understand, though. Like, I laugh, but, like, I totally understand. I don't think I have very many under under three because I'm like, well, they tried so hard. I don't, I probably couldn't do any better. (laughs) Well,. Also, I was complete. It was a citrus wheat beer, and I—that's like my summer thing. Yeah, I love a citrus wheat beer, and I've had a ton of them lately. I had the Sam Adams, whatever they call theirs. Remember that one we had in Minnesota? Dude, yeah. Um, Do I? (laughs) That one's incredible. I had I bought like two six packs of that because I couldn't find it all summer. Been trying to find it. I got it, and then I put it in my house. So like. Reed was painting and I was pretending to help Reed paint and then yeah, I've been doing fun. yard work. I've been drinking notes. And uh anyway, and then I had like uh the what is it, the sunny little thing? But I had this one, this other one at uh Krug the other day, and it was just like kind of gross. Hmm. Like it tasted like uh the citrus tasted like manufactured. Or something. That's too bad. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the word. And we're getting to the point of the, point of the year too, where like it could have been the bottom of the keg. You know what I mean? So that citrus could have been that that keg Absolutely. could have been sitting there since like mid-May, and now it's you know when you're having it, it's <laughs> just been sitting for a while, and it's like the artificialness just probably has t- kind of taken over whatever natural they yeah. put into to to diminish it. But that's also just a guess. I have no idea. For artificial. The more I drink I this I'm... beer. Don't interrupt me. (laughs) (laughs) The more I drink this beer, the more it tastes like a biscuit with honey on it. Well, that makes it sound wonderful. (laughs) But it's it's just not it's not an Oktoberfest. Yeah, like it's the beer is fine, but it's it's not an Oktoberfest, and it's definitely not a pumpkin beer. I love, I love that it, you're like almost mad about the fact that you got Couldn't the beer find it, that yeah. wasn't the style of beer you wanted to get. I am kind of disappointed. <laughs> it would be too if I set yeah. out to get a pumpkin beer and I couldn't find one. Dude, that was me last year in Indy. Remember? Oh my gosh, trying to find that Elysian, uh, the oh my the night owl. <laughs> yes. That's night what it was, owl, right? Yeah. I went to like three different places to find that dang beer, and it was worth it. It was delicious, but like I went to like three different giant. They had tons of beer, and they were like, "Ah, oh, yeah, we're sold out." It's been yeah. flying off the shelves, and I'm like, "Well, oh. damn, it's been really good. I gotta find this freaking thing." I guess they used a pretty good formula. Ooh, mm. formulas. Formulas. But are we talking about math? <laughs> You know, you can also use formulas in art, or can you? Are you trying to formulate a segue? I'm trying to force a segue here. Yeah, that's <laughs> not that we have to. I just really wanted to try the breakout formula it. in there. <laughs> I feel like every time we try to transition to the topic, it's like, wow, that was a good transition. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the free space on the bingo card. Exactly. <laughs> You know what? I think on the bingo card, the free space should be an already X'd out us having talked about the bingo card for a year. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yes. Honestly. Maybe maybe that's what we should do for an episode is just like come up with the bingo card. That'd be really good for audio you listeners. Have, uh, it's like, hey, okay, gone. so in B1 or whatever. But just... <laughs> Hold on. I had I had another segue. Hold on. Speaking of formulating a bingo card. Hold on, guys. I got one. (laughs) What a shit show. (laughs) 
No, it's our shit show, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's the topic, Brad? Get on. Get, 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 get. <laughs> well, today on the Arts and Crafts podcast, we're going to attempt to chat about uh, the idea of sort of in creativity, um, creative formula, if you will. And the, re- the way that this topic sort of originated uh, with us is I was listening to uh, some music recently by a, a band I, I really love called The Strokes. And uh, <clears throat> they sound better live, by the way. And, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I was thinking about how I really adore, twice, by the way, um, I really adore their latest album. And um, The New Abnormal is what it's called. And there are some songs on there I love that are kind of, uh, you know, they sound like the strokes, but they're kind of unique to their, they don't sound like any other songs. And then there's songs on there that I'm like, this sounds like a generic stroke song. This sounds like, you know, if somebody was going to do a cover of strokes, this this would would be that song. Yeah. And uh, and so I thought about it for other bands I like. Uh, oddly enough, when I, one of the times I saw the Strokes live, they actually opened for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who I think are a great example of a band oh. where any Red Hot Chili Peppers song lately like, sounds like a Red Hot Chili Peppers song. It, it sounds like mm-hmm. if you took a bunch of Red Hot Chili Peppers songs and mashed them together. And so that it doesn't make it a bad song or album. But yeah. it makes it something that seems fairly formulaic, and you know, there's a. I, we're going to try to dive into sort of the, how we got to that point. You know, the reasons why it's like that. Um, so, music's a really good example for that. There are artists, artists as well, people who are creating fine art. They're all. I mean, it, all the different art mediums. I think you can see that. You can see it in filmmaking. Who have sort of tried and true formulas. Um, so I'm curious what you guys think about that. Um, I know that you are also a big fan of the strokes. Um, and I'm curious, first of all, what you think about my sort of, uh, claim here about, about all of this. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree that there are definitely songs where, especially, um, uh, the first album, really set the tone and it obviously helped them break onto the scene. I mean, that was what they were playing in like just shows in Brooklyn when they got discovered. That's what they were doing. And then once they have their record, you can see little pieces of that is the Sid album in Room on Fire and in First Impressions of Earth. Like there's little bits of it that are put throughout all the rest of their discography. Um, but the one thing that I think the Strokes also do really well is not just it's, it's not it's just not just a copy of is this it you know um, room on fire is its own album it's, oh. it's a lot different from is this it first impressions of the earth is its own album it's not even like room on fire or their you know debut album like they they kind of use that formula as like a base and then they can kind of expand on it and there's definitely songs where it's like oh this is just the formula <laughs> like there's nothing really added to this and then there's albums where it's where it's really different kind of like angles or come down machine. Um, but yeah, yeah. And, and I think that there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But I think it's just something that is, is pretty obvious and evident. Um, one other artist that also and I does think... this. Sorry. I don't mean to keep talking. Oh, go ahead. Um, Bombay bicycle club did this. And if you want to see like Ooh, the yeah. like the most obvious form of this I've ever seen in any music, is Bombay Bicycle Club. They have <laughs> on their debut album. I had the blues, but I shook them loose. It's almost like a like an alternative rock, like punk rock out, al- not punk rock, alternative rock and like indie rock album. And then there's a song called Always Like This that blew up off that. Al- it's like the staple song on the album. And then every other album after that, besides Flaws, which was an acoustic cover. Um, was really formulated off of that song, Always Like This. A different kind of fix, So Long, See You Tomorrow, and Everything Else Has Gone Wrong are three albums that basically go off the formula of that one blow-up song, Always Like This, off their debut. And if you want to see this for yourself, just go to that debut album, listen to any other other songs, listen to Ghost or Lamplight or something, 
then listen to Always Like This. And they're two very different songs. You didn't think they're on the same album. And then you can go and listen to really any of the three that I said. You'll be like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's definitely influenced by it because it's just a totally different sound from the rest of their debut album. So it's just kind of interesting. What was the band called again? Uh, Bombay Bicycle Club. I guess it doesn't do me any good. I can't like play their music. Oh, I recognize this oh, this uh, album cover. And they're all good. Like I love. Like I'm not trying to shit on on BBC. Mm. <laughs> the BBC. It's well, funny because they're from England. Yeah, uh, but they're I love. London, I mean, I, I I really like their music, and I love their debut albums. Awesome. Every one that I said was great too, but. It's just really obvious that like they kind of had success with one type of song and went that way, and it worked out. They're huge, and yeah. probably have more money than I'll ever see in my entire life. So obviously they did something right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's tricky when you have, uh, um, like I remember <clears throat> when I was younger, and I kind of like first started to really get into music. It's more than just like a thing to have on. Yeah. Um, like. I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but like you, you start to really love a particular artist or band and you follow them and then they, they put out their new album and you're like, this is trash. Yeah. This is so bad. But what I've noticed is it's, it's because of one thing or another, either they deviated from the formula mm-hmm. and you're like, this is not what I'm used to and I hate it. Or stuck with their current formula which is a formula you don't like because you liked the early stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a band I can think of who I'm not going to name. I can't, I can't name them. But um, there are bands I know where I'm like, oh, their debut album. I'm like, this is incredible. I'll actually give you an example that is going to surprise people. Eric um, Lamar's first album oh. um, is Masterpiece. It is a work of art. It's, in my opinion, it's one of the greatest collections of music of all time. And overly dedicated. What's that? Overly dedicated. Well, dedicated. Person? Dedicated was technically like an EP. At oh, first, it was but... a mixtape, wasn't it? Kind of thing. Okay. Sorry. Continue. Yeah. But dedicated was also pretty good. Um, or another, another actually, an even better example is the weekend. I think. Um, his first album was actually a collection of three uh, EPs, I believe, that were kind of mixed together. But um, both of those artists, you know, I, I fell in love with those original works. And I'm sure there's some nostalgia there and just like the time of life when that came out. But yeah. I think anything since then has been n- nearly as good. And that's not to say that they haven't been good at all. Mm-hmm. There's stuff that's been really, really good. But... The thing, so like, currently, The Weeknd is apparently like the biggest name in music at the moment. And I listened to something he did recently, and it's, I do not care for it. Like, it's just not, he, he has latched onto a formula of, you know, an album or two ago that I didn't love. Yeah. And it's very, you know, it's poppy, and it's... Um, it got him on the halftime It's show, just got right? a style like... to it. Yes, exactly. And I'm like... I, the whole time during that halftime show, I'm like, play your early stuff. And I'm like, God, I'm, I'm so annoying. <laughs> Where's sidewalks? But, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's just like, you know, he when he really made big, big, he, that, you know, he stuck to the music that made him really big at that time and had to kind of double down on that. And so now... It certainly seems like all the music he's going to do moving forward is going to be that type of thing. And again, that's not to say it's necessarily bad music. I really don't care for it personally. I think part of it is that it feels very formulaic. Yeah. You know, it feels like here's that sound he has. Here's kind of a beat. Here's the <laughs> it sounds like a beat. beat he would have. It's yeah. Same drum beat. It's synthy. It's, you know, and I like synthy things. Like it's all of these things individually. I like them. But. I'm like, this sounds like the same song you've been doing <laughs> on every album. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Reed. <laughs> Reed, Reed chime in. <laughs> what the duck, Reed? 
<laughs> what did I do? That's all I have to say about that anyway. I mean, The weekend had a song yep. where he came in and he, he would like venture into French and then come back into English, then go back into French and then like go back into English. And like, he would never do that on a new album. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it's just like, no, man, you went from alien. this crazy like artistic expression in these different languages that are telling two parts of the same story. And now it's like, do, do, got, do, do, got. I actually learned how to play um, keyboard learning a song by the weekend. If you know me well, you know it's the only song I can play on the keyboard. (laughs) And it gets really annoying. John, I have another artist I wrote down. Um, I think most people are familiar with this band, and I'm not sure if you and I have ever spoken about it, but MGMT is a very... uh, influential band for folks our age they had uh, some so their their album um i don't want to say i keep thinking of the name of the song but i don't know if that's the name of the album oracular spectacular 2007 that's yeah that's with, what it is yeah with time to pretend electric feel all those out the songs yes yeah that's yes. like i was like yeah i, I know kids is on it <laughs> that could be like the best album of Again, the 2000s that's one of the greatest like, not even joking. It could literally be yeah. like the best on the two thousand. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So looking at it now, there's ten songs on there. I would say one, two, three, four, five, six out of ten are on like every playlist of mine. I mean, yeah. it's yeah, it's for, it's good. forty minutes. It's the perfect length. It's unbelievable. It's a mess. If you haven't listened to Oracular Spectacular by MGMT, and you're listen, stop listening to this podcast and go listen to it, and you will have. Uh, you'll have a great time. It's a wonderful album. Anyways, what were you going to say, Ben, about this? I also bet people would recognize some of the songs. But mm-hmm. So MGMT is a very interesting case because they um, somewhat infamously now like refuse to... I don't know if this is still the case, but for a while there, they refuse to play music from that album like, live. Mm-hmm. And... Are, they they've kind of completely like rebranded themselves in a way. Yeah. And um the album they put out in twenty let me confirm, twenty eighteen is very, very different. It's called Little Dark Age and it's it's just a very, very different feel. MGMT uh I think in a lot of people's minds was like this sort of fun, upbeat like that that first album was kind of all about like youth, you know? Yeah. Clinging onto it. And uh, yeah, exactly. And there was just like you know, there's a there is a very specific energy there that I think people could could connect with. Mm-hmm. And eleven years later they put out Little Dark Age. Just, I mean you can already tell from the name, Little Dark Age. You're it's like it's a lot heavier and weirder. And not nearly as well received. Yeah. Um, I really like it. I think it's a good album. And, and I mean, so I, I like the visual. If you look at the first album, there's songs, you know, like one of the most famous songs is called Kids. If you look at Little Dark Age, there's a song called When You Die. <laughs> yeah. So, and Days That Got Away, you know, like it's just. It's a complete shift from like, you know, youth and and trying to enjoy the rest of youth, and then it shifts to like, yeah, well, you're gonna die and everything's dark and yeah, blah blah. blah. So yeah. this band deliberately went against the formula. Could have after the first album, they could have just repeated that over and over again for years in in different forms and called it new albums you know and people would have loved it yeah but they're like no we're we're not gonna do that and i don't really know i mean the couple albums that came after i'm not super familiar with i don't think they were all that different but you know by the time they get to 11 years later it's like this is a completely different sound and i really admire the fact that they went a completely different direction even if the new newer album wasn't like well received yeah it's um 
and there's even like a little bit of almost kind of telling the same story just in a totally different light i mean like Rector spectacular is talking mm-hmm. about enjoying trying to hang on to youth you know and trying to be a kid as long as he can and reminiscing about how great childhood was and all that stuff whereas little dark age is kind of you know they're both um very introspective and they're both very um, poignant about time and how limited the time is um, but obviously one's taken from like a really f- a fun mm-hmm. point of view and it's kind of uh, a little bit more uh not enjoyable but it's less in your face about it whereas little dark age still telling the same story but they're like okay this is you obviously missed <laughs> you, you missed what you're we trying to do 11 years ago here's what we <laughs> wanted to do <laughs> it's a lot more direct i think yeah which your, is yeah I, I, that's super cool yeah and when you die is a great song it's yeah. a great song <laughs> it's a really good song it, it is too <laughs> well it's i really like that uh really like that they they do kind of because i think a lot of creatives whatever artistic type you have you know a lot of us do kind of have that same story we're telling over and over and over um reed recently mentioned um because he had seen asteroid city the newest film by wes anderson and he said something along the lines of like but it didn't have that like father-son storyline which is funny because if you look back at all the wes anderson films to a certain point it's like same story is being told over and over in in a bunch of different ways yeah there's different stories going on but ultimately there's like the father figure and the son figure there's this struggle so i think a lot of artists and creatives and fans and whoever are kind of telling that same story in different ways and so when you look at like what we're just talking about i absolutely adore that you can see same thread but presented through sort of a different way and sort of, you know, there's sort of a maturity to it in the sense that like, all right, let's be serious now. Cause this is actually what we were trying to say. Yeah. And I just don't think you see that much in, in, you know, popular music. I mean, if, if you, uh, the weekend is a good example where all of his early stuff was very emotional. You know, there was a lot of, uh, um, whether it was really, truly real experiences or not, there was a lot of like experience-based lyric writing that, that created these very emotional songs. And then now it's, it's yeah. all kind of just every song. I mean, listen to the anything on the radio, and it's just all kind of like, ooh, girl, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, it, there's every, such a every Drake song for the like, last really 10 years. <laughs> Yeah, hey, dude, you're, like, you're are you 30s. Really trying to say anything or <laughs> all in this formula now? So yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Reed? Welcome back. Okay, but i i was I was going to mention the Black Keys earlier. Oh, the Black Keys—that's a good one. They're they're pretty formulaic, and uh, like they sound better live too. Um, when uh, when Ben and I were um, in Minnesota at their concert. We, uh, afterwards, we were like, all of their music sounds exactly the same. Mm. And you can't tell which song they're playing at the beginning because they all start with the same, like, intro, pretty much. Um, and then, and then, uh, when Delta Cream came out a couple years ago, I don't know if either of us really enjoyed it as much as the rest of their music because it's a completely different album like it's it's blues and not rock um so yeah i just um, saw them the other day of course you did <laughs> i didn't i and thought I though i was like i forgot that they were down here in kansas city like the day before that and or a couple of days before yeah. that also at an outdoor uh, venue yeah when it's like 110 degrees outside. Horrible. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to hike through a forest to get to that show. But yeah, the the connection with yeah, the, the film is kind of interesting as well. With uh, Wes Anderson. Um, I don't know if I have anything additional to add to that. but Even like Christopher Nolan using um, the same composer. 
uh, what's his name? Hans Zimmer. Mm-hmm. He uses Hans Zimmer a lot. And the only yeah. reason he didn't use him for uh, only reason he didn't use him for Oppenheimer is because he was working on uh, Hans Zimmer's already working with someone else on another movie. I can't remember what it's called. But like mm-hmm. even Christopher Nolan using like almost the same composer in a lot of his mu- in his movies. It's like yeah. it's kind of like a formula, right? And like different, right. different directors have specific shots, like the behind the back shot or a really specific mm-hmm. close up shot, or the Wes Anderson with the quick pans and just the way they introduce scenes. Mm-hmm. Right, or like the symmetry, yeah, um, with in Wes Anderson or like with Christopher Nolan, he does a lot of um, like plays with your idea of time, yeah. Um, and tells stories like either in reverse or uses different, uh, different, like, what's the, like just different settings throughout the same film. Mm -hmm. Like, um, Mm -hmm. specifically in Memento, like half of the movie is in chronological order and the other half is in reverse chronological order. And you kind of have to figure out what's what, um oh and i think i wrote I think he does something similar i wrote down a note about memento nice one ben well did <laughs> you write it on a polaroid yeah as i do <laughs> and then he threw I've it been, away uh, as he does with i've been notes. rewatching. <laughs> yeah. took a picture then threw it away. i've been rewatching. uh did you did you burn it <laughs> I wonder if I John gets the joke or not. John, are you familiar with the movie? No, I've never seen it. Memento? Okay, so. I'm sure that joke's really good, though. Just playing along. As I do. Chameleon, blend in. It's a killer joke. I think I think you should watch it. You and Taylor would like it. Yeah, I mean, I have a list it's... of movies. Let me add it to my list of movies. Yeah, that the I re- give you that the... you won't watch? What's it called? Mo- <laughs> Memento or Memento? Memento. I have a uh, another example. I've I've been rewatching Better Call Saul because I did that thing where I've I've watched the show, but then I didn't. But then the newest uh, season came out. Got to rewatch it. I watched it yet because I forgot what had happened. So I'm rewatching all of that. I was thinking about how the visual style that 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 show and Breaking Bad have are. First of all, incredible. Like from a filmmaking perspective, the way that the you know the establishing shots they use and everything, and the way they tell that story visually, is just beautiful. But I was noticing literally today, before we had even confirmed this to be the topic, I was like, he's really got a formula for how he's he like sets up an episode. It's like here's a cool shot that doesn't really tell you what it's going to be, and then it kind of comes into focus or what you know whatever is going to happen. Everything is set through this. Um, it's set through a lens where you know the lens, like the visual element, is telling almost its own story, separate from the plot. If that makes any sense, like yeah. you know, a, a standard, like if you think about like a standard sitcom, the action is happening, the story exists, and the cameras are just there. We're just like seeing what's happening. Yeah, as something like Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul or, you know, Wes Anderson, any of these um, makers or directors who are, uh, you know, very visually minded, the visuals almost take on their own element of it. So it's like, we're not just going to show you what happened. We're going to like, you might have to figure it out a little bit, you know, you might just enjoy the visual of it. There are episodes of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul where the, you know, There'll be a whole intro that's just something super visually interesting. Like, what does this have to do with the story at all? Yeah. Like the ants crawling on the ice and cream sandwich make... for the ice cream cone it's... for like a two yeah. minutes. <laughs> it's like, like a full yes. 120 seconds of just ants eating an ice cream. And it's like, what the hell? <laughs> what are you doing, Vince? Yeah. But it's. It's I don't know. It's interesting because it's like okay, so Vince Gilligan is following a formula in the sense that he's like, here's these shots, here's a story. It, you know what you're going to get out of one of these episodes. He's not following a formula so strictly to the sense we're like, oh well, I know exactly what's going to happen. I can figure it out. You know, 
you're still there's still that level of like suspense and curiosity yeah whereas you know i mean a sitcom is like the ultimate example of a formula literally yeah for 10 years i haven't watched friends it's like friends is a formula Mm -hmm. they you know like any sitcom you have the characters you get to know the character and like what they're gonna do that into the formula here's the plot of that episode that doesn't make all sitcoms bad. No, yeah, no. absolutely not. It just means there's there's a formula to it. And sometimes that's comforting, you know? One thing that I also really enjoy kind of going on the Breaking Bad side, like I like that they use a few different directors. It's not just Vince Gilligan. Um, it's not just Vince directing every episode. They get to bring in other directors, and that kind of really helps break up that formula. So you don't feel like you're watching the same show or the same, you're not seeing the same story beats in the way they're delivering those story beats because they have a different director. Like it's literally going to be different. And it's fun to see that. You can even see like some uh, Ozark, I think, has different producers and writers and directors throughout the seasons too. Um, and you can, it reflects, right? I mean, it totally. T- changes how the story is being told i think that keeps it really interesting especially when they're almost hour-long episodes right you can't watch the same thing 10 episodes a season like <laughs> so yeah but then you get into like uh quentin tarantino and yeah every every movie is like the same kind of thing but there are just there will be 10 of them at the end of it you know yeah. like but it's like it's kind of slow moving, and then all of a sudden it's blood everywhere. Spoiler <laughs> alert! So. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's almost like the creative process is formulaic in itself. Almost, and how we need to be able to utilize that tool, Ooh. utilize that formula as a tool to set a, a base for you to to grow upon, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's the key thing is the growth. I think, yeah, yeah. Are you are you utilizing the the formula as a tool to grow, or are you using it as a formula to just as a crutch stuff out there as a crutch? As a crutch. Yeah, it's dad. It's not a crutch. It's just something I lean on. <laughs> something I've come to rely on. <laughs> um, Reed, can you think of? hesitate i don't want to like bash anybody and again we're trying to say that it's not necessarily bad but reed can you think of visual artists and such who who might fit this uh theme uh because well i think like just in the i i wouldn't even like i i would hesitate to say that it's a bad at all um like most most graphic design is done in a formulaic pattern um in the sense of like it's you know like it's a it's a true process so like each process has its own formula and you start with like a research stage or whatever and then you ideate and you move on to the next step all the way to the finished outcome um so, I don't know. I think every artist probably has some sort of formula that they go through. Um, and it's individual to each creative, but uh, it's still there. Yeah. Even though some producers were like, they'll um, like they'll get like their initial, let's say their initial sample or their initial. Um, instrumental whatever inspiration down and then they're gonna put on the almost the same like three or four uh different presets and effects and things like that mm-hmm. on that sample to get the ball rolling right just to get the cursor right. the blinking cursor to type in something out um <laughs> and it's like sometimes you can hear it between different producers you know like um again that's a, not that's a bad thing because it's all good music they're putting out and whatever gets the ball rolling gets the ball mm-hmm. rolling, but you can definitely tell. Right. Yeah. I think I think there's a there's a this formula is what influences an artistic style. Like mm. 
if you want to think of some specific artists, like think of uh, Roy Lichtenstein. Um, and I think he comes to mind just because I was at the Nelson Atkins a couple days ago and saw one of his pieces. But it's like there are these primary colors and bandet dots and it, like that comic book style um, of just like it's a different different perspective on a still life drawing basically hmm. um yeah so i think i, I don't know um like there's definitely i think first of all by the way i'm just gonna say out there apparently my grandma took uh, an art class that he taught one time but um mm-hmm. which is cool but uh i i definitely think between style and formula is a fine line. And, and in my opinion, that's where I me, mean, that's kind of like a make or break type of thing where um, like when we talked about, you know, is it good or bad? Is it an area of growth or is it a crutch? I think that's where that comes in. Are you, right. are you yeah. sticking true to your style? You know, or are you just like putting something out there? Cause you're like, well, this worked yeah. before. Like, yeah. like think of Clint Oldenburg. Um, like specifically, um, I was talking with a couple people about his, um, well, his and his wife's work. Um, so their work, um, just like large scale sculptures are very basic, um, things, very basic objects. Like right outside the Kemper Museum is the a piece called Architect's Handkerchief. And it's just like, think of a very basic object that isn't given much thought, but now it's at a monumental scale. So what does it tell you? Like it's very formulaic in that sense. Um, But it's like, it's also just something interesting to look at. Like Spoonbridge and Cherry up at the Walker um, is very symbolic of the, this of Minneapolis. Um, but it's just a spoon and a giant cherry fountain. Uh, so if you, if you want to like, think about it more, you might get something else out of it, but it's also just something that's cool to look at. Yeah. That's true. And I think with artists, you know, visual artists and, and, like if you if you think about some of the fine art you might find in a museum, um, there's there's something sort of appealing about oh I recognize the style and therefore I recognize the artist, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think that the, I would venture to guess that the general public doesn't think much beyond that as far as like oh what's the creative process you know what f- sort of formulas have developed um to get to that but now i mean john mentioned you know a producer starting out with that sort of template if you will of oh here are the here are the pieces that i know are going to be part of this because i just always use these and now i'm thinking about you know like i don't do that direct thing with graphic design as anyone looking at my work knows it's like yeah there's definitely a couple of colors that i will always try mm-hmm. to fit in you know if i can right. you're gonna see some neon colors if i can get them in there you're <laughs> gonna see some fonts repeated perhaps um i think you know i mean as as everything in my life does it all goes back to like authenticity like does that creative work the piece the product whatever it is is it does it exist authentically or is it something that you have molded into this this thing that fits this formula so you are a musical artist if you're a band a producer whatever when you create a piece of music okay if it sounds like your style like that's good right you have a style and you've created something that sounds like that are you satisfied with that thing the way it is because you're like yes this this is what i want it to be um obviously it's going to fit my style or have you developed it because you're like, okay, 
I know people are going to like this because it's like yeah. something I did before, you know. And I think, I think you like I said at the beginning of this, you can see it across every creative medium. I think there are people, you know, I can think of local artists who I really, really admire because they have a very particular style, but every piece is its own thing. Every piece you can tell, you know, there was a sort of authentic, deliberate design behind it. There was, you know, there were choices that were made to, to may have followed, followed a formula, but the end result was something that is still its authentic piece. And then there are some artists, whether local or, or otherwise, where you're like, well, you know, they're putting something out there that is, um, it feels more formulaic. And it feels like we were, we were talking recently about the commercialization of art. Mm-hmm. I think this kind of ties into that too a little bit. You know, are you, are you putting out stuff that is authentically like what you want to put out there? Or are you putting something out there that maybe is a little more geared towards like, well, you know, some level of success, you know, this is people will buy this. People will listen to this. People will watch this, whatever it is. And again, that doesn't make it inherently bad. It just kind of, I think changes the end result a little bit. Yeah. It's like the, we were saying earlier that the intention and the growth on the formula is what can separate a piece from another piece. Right. I feel like all our conversations end up like it's about growth. Yeah, because it is. I mean, it is. <laughs> that's what. That's what like the the most like. It's what life is. It's it's going. You know, it's it's growing. It's <laughs> experiencing new things and applying those new experiences to who you are as a person. And an art is the ability to express those things, and that's pretty cool. And if you're just kind of sitting on what was work in the past and not expressing the new versions of yourself in the art, then like some things are getting missed out. It's not bad, but it's just sometimes some things can be missed. Mm-hmm. And it's like you're making great art, so express the new parts of yourself and let that show, right? So I don't know. Absolutely. We're, we're, uh, we're uh, we have a lot of wisdom here, don't we? <laughs> We're we're a little over hour ten right now, fellas. Yeah. So, um, if we have anything else we want to add to this quickly or um, kind of wrap up, but Binky, any Binky the Studio Dog, any thoughts? We're over. What'd you say? An hour. An hour ten. One hour and ten minutes. Wait, what time zone? I, I knew what you meant. <laughs> That's all I had today. I liked I liked our conversation. Oh yeah, you guys never answered that question. What time is it where you guys are? Our <laughs> listeners do too. It's time for you to oh, get a hopefully watch. Hopefully, my internet didn't screw everything up. Gosh, oh, I must did. be really delayed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, and Reed, I think the thing about the Black Keys is... Wait, did you just say something about the Black Keys? That was really good, Ben. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, everybody. That was really good. I, oh, man. I'm like uh, Reggie Watts on Comedy Bang Bang, just pretending to be delayed for the whole show. That was a great bit. I love that show. I love how he was in Omaha, supposedly. Wait, what? Like, in that episode, he was supposed to be in Omaha? Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. I thought you meant he just came here recently and I missed it. Oh, I, I think don't my know. grandma took a class with Reggie White. <laughs> Reggie White? That's <laughs> <laughs> the callback. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right. Uh, please follow at Arts Crafts Pod <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter slash X. Um, and also, we'd love to hear from you. Email us. Where can they email and us at, Reed? Contact at com or podcasts 
at exorbitantcreative.com. Perfect. Podcast at exorbitantcreative.com or contact at exorbitantcreative.com. Or reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram at artscraftspod. Love to hear from you. Um, but we really appreciate you hanging out. We hope that uh, hope that you learned something and then not learned something, but hope you got something out of our conversation. We love we don't know anything. We're just talking. So appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> the Arts and Crafts Podcast is a project from the AC Creative Studio. Produced by Reed Doling, audio editing by John Cheetah, artwork by Ben Matukowicz. Subscribe on your favorite podcast apps. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ArtsCraftsPod for the latest episodes, beer reviews, and more. For more from the AC Creative Studio, find us on Instagram and Twitter at AC underscore Omaha and our website, exarbancreative.com.